hey podcast world that music was a pertinent introduction today's episode you know why that is lee boyd well i do but why don't you why don't you let our audience know okay i just want it noted that i gave you the opportunity to do it but you passed oh should i have actually said that our guest today is coming to us live from Hawaii and that he's hunkered down and 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 staying away from the from the COVID-19 from Hawaii. Right. That he actually lives um most of the time in New York City, but mm-hmm. somehow, for some reason or another, is sheltering in place in a tropical paradise. Yeah. I would imagine part of the interview today will discuss that and we'll get to know that little nugget of information about why he is there. But we wouldn't want to we wouldn't want to spoil it by talking about it up front, would we? Mm, I don't think we would. Okay. All right. Well, in that case, today we have the president, co-founder, and all-around interesting guy from Kangaroo, the home IoT company, Dhruv Garg. Yeah, I'm very excited to talk to him. I was reading through his resume and I was reading some things about him before the interview and he's a very interesting person. He has a lot of accomplishments and, and he's a young, a young man and I'm very excited to talk to him. You know, this is not the first person from, from Kangaroo that we had on. We had Maximus Yaney on, right? He was a delight, really interesting person. And this is a a co-founder with Maximus. So I'm, I'm very excited to get to talk about the journey of Kangaroo, but also about his journey. Right. And we'll hear about how Kangaroo is really worked hard to find their particular spot in the home IoT market and how they're going about uh, playing that space in a very creative way and introducing products that I think are making big waves. (laughs) That's like a pun there. Hawaii, big big waves. Um, In the home IoT market. And uh, so, yeah, and and you know they have just announced their IoT doorbell, uh, and they're they're competing against the big boys, Ring yeah. and Nest, and yeah. all that. And we're yeah. going to get to talk about yeah. how they're doing that, what their market strategy is, and why the insurance vertical is really the cornerstone of their marketing ideas. So we'll hear all about that today. So why don't we just jump in? What do you think, Lee? I'm ready. I got my uh, my flippers and everything. <laughs> Okay, I have my Hawaiian shirt on, so we're ready to go. go. So without further ado, here's our interview with Dhruv Garg, president and co-founder of Kangaroo. Hey there, everybody. We're here with our guest today, the second victim we've been able to capture from the company Kangaroo, the president and co-founder of the company, Dhruv Garg, is with us today from, of all places, I'll let you say it, Dhruv, go ahead. Hawaii. Oh, game. <laughs> Hawaii. So we've had the opportunity to talk to a lot of people who are sheltered in place, and they're sheltered in place in, you know, Columbus, Ohio, or mm-hmm. the Ozarks. Or, or the Ozarks. <laughs> there there you go. Yeah. Or St. Louis. Yeah. You're the only one in Hawaii. <laughs> only one in Hawaii. It was never the plan, but I'm, I'm glad it worked out. <laughs> Yeah. So you got to tell us why, tell us the story real quick. Why are you in Hawaii? So my, my wife is doing a medical residency here uh, in OBGYN and then she started uh, a year ago and uh, you know, we were, we were pretty focused on trying to figure out the 
the right spot in Manhattan to to, to find an apartment. But so be it. This is where she landed. And I, I go back and forth every two weeks. Gotten pretty used, used to the perpetual jet lag and living on EST instead of either EST or, or Hawaiian time. Uh-huh. Goodness. That's wow. a long flight. So how far behind New York are you? Six hours behind New York. Oh, wow. I bet you hate those 2 a.m. conference calls, don't you? Actually, 3 a.m. is... is I've, 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 kind of finagle my way through meetings starting at 3 a.m. or after. So, <laughs> my God, I didn't even think about that. So if you live in, in Hawaii and they want to have a normal conversation with you, is that right? Is that something you do? Just wake up at 3 a.m. and go? Yeah, uh, I, I do a couple times a week. Uh, I think we've been uh, just very lucky. We, we have fantastic teams around the world. We have a team in Shenzhen oh. and, and a team in uh, New York. And so I get half my day in uh, in Shenzhen and, and the other half in New York. So, you know, some of those days when New York requires me early, I, I wake up early and others spend time with the Shenzhen team. So let's talk about Kangaroo. And we want to hear all about you, too, because you're an interesting character just by yourself forgetting about Kangaroo. But for our audience who's maybe hasn't heard our previous episode about you guys or don't, doesn't know about you guys, give us a couple of minutes on what you guys are, what you guys do and why you're here. Yeah. Kangaroo, you know, was born from the desire to build a complete connected home ecosystem that was actually accessible. And when I say accessible, I say that in terms of two uh, big parts. One is cost, uh, you know, the the technology and, and the devices and products and services that exist today in the connected home space, just extremely expensive. But more than that, I think if if you take a step back, Take a step back to like five or six years ago. What the connected home was supposed to do was to add convenience and, you know, add speed and, and uh, make your life a little easier. So you'd walk into your home, you'd flip a switch right. and your light would turn on or off. But yeah. instead, what happened was you would now walk into your home, pull out your smartphone, unlock <laughs> your smartphone, go into an app, find an app, go into that app, hit the toggle if you could find it. And then wait a couple seconds, and then the light would turn on. So, <laughs> That's so, exactly right. <laughs> so, the, so the smart home actually made it stupid. <laughs> and when we go back a, a few years before Kangaroo, you know, we I think the closest semblance of an ecosystem that existed before this was maybe Alexa. You, you know, the Google Assistant wasn't out yet. And if you've played around with any of those devices, you know, God forbid you change your Wi-Fi password, you're spending the week now. <laughs> flipping switches and trying to like, you know, connect these devices together. So that's kind of what drove us to to look at the space. And we were excited about it. We were, you know, the early adopters and, and had all of these devices and were happy to go through that friction of setting them up and playing with them. But we, we started to see that it, it wasn't being adopted in, uh, you know, mainstream use. And so when we looked deeper, we found a, a couple of different reasons. One, I, I think it'd be great to wake up to the smell of coffee. Right. But like what you want from your coffee machine is that it makes you a cup of coffee, not talks to you or does a bunch of other right. stuff. And, and so we wanted to see where can we fundamentally solve problems and add real value and use the connected home for what it was, what the initial idea was meant to be. And then how can we actually make it accessible, not to the few people that can afford, you know, three to $500 systems if you want to even, you know, start playing with it and the third was it's funny oftentimes people aren't afraid of break-ins but they're afraid of their security systems because they're so complex that you know they don't want the cops to be called when you know if if uh, if it's a false alarm or they, and they don't know how to turn it off and and it's just yeah. like 
anxiety when you walk into your home holding groceries because you're like, oh crap, am I going to be able to, you know, turn this off in time? And so that's what we wanted to solve. We, we wanted to make the connected home actually provide real value, come at a cost that everyone, that, you know, the, the mass market could afford. And three, be just absolutely easy to use with, with just a, you know, a fun, simple user experience. So that's kind of what Kangaroo was born from. And then, uh, you know, as, as we dove in, home security was just the obvious entry point to be able to provide that value. There, there was a you know, ton of legacy um, tech that existed. And, and so we dove right in. So that's, that's kind of where Kangaroo came from. Is that actually where you are now on the home security side? Yeah, so we we kicked it off with the home security side, and I and and as we dove in deeper, you know, we we realized there's a whole trove of problems to be solved just here, and a, a lot of ad, value to be added just right here. And so we started off with your you know simple motion entry uh, detector devices. We now have a suite of uh, cameras and very fun things on the doorbell, which we can get into if you'd like. And uh, and yeah. of course, moving on from just security, we we also started to look at other perils that we could you know address, like fire and and uh, flood, water leak detection, temperature, humidity, etc. So uh, a bunch of very cool cool stuff, but. Happy to kind of get into cameras and doorbells if uh, if you if you're interested. Yeah, one of the things that I saw on your website and and it mm-hmm. caught my eye immediately was the nineteen dollar and ninety nine cents <laughs> doorbell with camera. And I mean that's obviously a major step forward in that world. And certainly, I'm sure the competition kind of fell out of their chair. Talk about the nineteen ninety nine doorbell what it is for you guys and how it fits strategically and what's it, what it says about the strategy of your company. Absolutely. I, I mean, again, if you go back to, you know, why fundamentally we started was to be able to bring this tech to everyone. You know, Ring just spent billions of dollars educating the world that this, you know, a, a smart connected doorbell is something that can provide real value. But if you really talk to those users and, and ask them what they use their doorbell for, it's... They're like, you know, it's really fun to have the two-way audio and the the live streaming for the first three days of my $200 doorbell, you know, purchase. But after that, I use it to figure out who's at my door and when I get a package. Yes. Right? So so we said, let's solve that problem. Let's solve the 99% of of, of the, the problem that you're actually buying this doorbell for at a tenth of the cost. That's kind of what drove the design and, and engineering of this product. And essentially, we pared it down to the basics. We removed all the you know, unnecessary excess. And it's a minimalist doorbell with, with a camera that instead of a video takes you know, the Instagram style boomerangs or the, the GIFs. So it, mm-hmm. it takes a series of photos and, and does that. And we've gotten a tremendous response just with, with our pre-sales. And you know, we, we're the number one most popular campaign on Indiegogo that we just kicked off, you know, just because we had the assets, we weren't planning on doing it. And, and, the, and strategically, this is what we think that doorbell can do. When people look at security, as they're starting to look at insurance as well, they are looking for it to be more proactive than reactive. And so for that, you know, proactive approach to security, you want stuff outside, you want it to cover things like, like something new. So another thing we introduced with the doorbell was if you're buying it, to tell you when you get a package because you don't want it to get stolen, the natural next step is let's cover the loss of your package if someone steals it because a doorbell in itself is not going to be able to 
keep someone yeah. from taking it up and taking it away. So, so we're actually introducing something very unique with it, which is package theft coverage. So, you know, it, it's for two bucks a month. You will cover wow. stolen packages if if it's caught. Wow. And what we're doing with the $20 doorbell strategically is can we get this into the, you know, can we get it to 100 million doors in the US and then beyond? Um, and it, you know, comes with its own little uh, little chime. And then we have uh, services that uh, that can help, you know, mitigate some of these uh, core issues that arise with it. Isn't that kind of your thing to get the device out there as quick and as wide scale as possible and then to be able to use your underlying service, maybe Kangaroo Complete and all of that. But mostly you want to get that device out there, get it on the doors, get it in the home. Talk to me a little about that because whenever we first met Kangaroo at, at, at InsureTech, you know, we're just giving these devices away like crazy. And we asked and they said, that's our goal. Just we need them out there. We want them out there. Talk to us about that a little bit. We poured a lot of a lot of energy and, and time and engineering resources into building something that that has the right UX for high adoption, right? Because that that's the biggest that, that was one of the biggest problems, and I think the insurance industry sees that as well when they're interfacing with folks from uh, from the IoT connected home space. Is the adoption is just is 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 pretty crappy, and so so are people actually going to use the damn thing and hook it up? Correct. So that's what we focused on. We said, you know, people have an attention span of less than 15 seconds when playing around with these things. And so can we get the pairing experience to be super quick? And so that's what we did. And that's why we give these products away is because we're confident that our price is so low because we're confident that they will find value in just being able to use it by itself. And then how can we actually layer in various services and, you know, through our digital platform to actually be able to monetize some of uh, some of these devices. So what we don't do is we're not, you know, we're not compromising on quality by, by making these devices lower cost. What we are doing instead is focusing on what what part of that device can solve a fundamental problem and just remove the excess, to remove the waste. So on that doorbell, you were saying that you narrowed it down to be able to solve those big things that people want, those big solutions. So what exactly does the doorbell do? Does it just take photos when it sees somebody? What are those 99% things that it does? So it comes with a chime. So you can put a chime inside and, and the doorbell outside. So uh, it operates like a, a connected doorbell where if you press a button, the chime will ring, your phone will ring. So, you know, you're remotely uh, connected. So it behaves like a doorbell. But two, it also detects motion. So if someone's at your porch, at your door, now it detects motion and again lets you know. So it takes those series of photos and it sends you sends that back to you. So you know who's uh, who's at your door. But it doesn't have, you know, two-way audio or or live streaming. Those are the only two things that we kind I of see. pulled out. Okay. And, and again, works weatherproof, night vision, all of that stuff. Is it hardwired or battery operated? It's actually battery operated and it works, again, with just like the rest of our suite. It uses simple AA batteries and took a lot of work, but it, uh, it, it'll last about a year. And, and that's another thing is battery operated doorbells, smart doorbells, typically last a couple of months, sometimes sure, even yeah. a few weeks. Right. So. Right. It's, it's something we poured a lot of energy into. We actually have, I won't mention the name. I'll mention the name. We have a ring doorbell. And um, it's and it is battery operated. And the, yep. you, you've got to recharge the AM thing all the time. Yep. Or it feels that way after a while. We can fix that for you in, in about a month. Here. <laughs> <laughs> for only a small $19.99. Yeah. That's why we had you on. We're over getting a yeah. discount coupon. 
Looking forward to that. That's what we're all about. This is really the home shopping network of insurance <laughs> podcast. Well, tell us this. So how does all of this work with insurance? I mean, are we able to get discount on, on insurance or insurance companies partnering with you? What? How does this all fit into the world of insurance? Yeah, and because insurance is your your top vertical. Is that correct? Yep. Yep. That, yep. That, that, that's really the, the pool you guys want to swim in. And right. so yeah, talk about that. I'm very interested in why insurance. Insurance looked at IoT and, and early on and said, ooh, data, right? Like here's a whole treasure trove of data that we can do something with. But but if it, it doesn't help if it's crappy data or incomplete. And, and so I, I think while you have that, the issue has traditionally been adoption rates. Can you get the tech to be something that is mass adopted by your policyholders? And the reason why that's important is because um, it, the unit economics need to work. So if, you, if you're sending it out to 100 people and only you know five or seven of them actually activate these sensors, this is a, a loss-leading program. So the goal is how can we actually provide the end user with something that they're going to adopt at a very high percent and continue to engage with. So those are the two big issues, right? Adoption and then continued engagement. And I think it probably makes sense to talk about them separately. You know, just insurance, even just being reactive, you want a high adoption rate. And and so you want to be able to, you know, while insurance companies want water sensors and and leak detectors in, in their users' homes, Users are not necessarily, they don't perceive that to be that big a threat unless they've yeah. you know, had an event. And right. so that's why we've started to started to move towards, well, can you build a kit, which, you know, it's like, can you slip in the broccoli with, with the pizza <laughs> kind right. of a scenario? And so, um, and so uh, um, we started to do theft sensors and, and that got a high adoption rate. But but again, all of these sensors, when you really think about them, they're very passive. You know, you're not necessarily, once you've installed them and played with them for a week, right. you're not necessarily dealing with it till something bad happens. So what can you do to continue to build engagement? And camera products are just significantly more, more engaging. Oh, yeah. And, and so that's why we built two different camera products. And one's the doorbell that we just talked about, right? Like, how can we, again... Can we make it low cost enough where the unit economics makes sense for the insurance company? Because I don't think that the doorbell in itself is providing any, you know, it is providing some value against, you know, burglary, but but not necessarily complete value against it. And so, but what it does do is it effectively sneaks in your broccoli, which is your water sensors and your leak detectors into the mm-hmm. user's home. And it's, and it's a platform that they now trust. The, the other thing that we built was, uh, was the camera. Uh, and I think Max touched upon this uh, previously when, when he was here, but we've since launched our camera. And again, same thing. We went back to first principles and said, outside of the urban pockets, why aren't people bringing cameras into their home? Because that is the most effective form of security, that that's actual evidence. Sure. You know, you know, you're able to detect if it's a false alert or not. Which is which is privacy. That that was a huge issue. And of course, you know, the, the, our, our platform and our system is built on you know two-factor authentication, end-to-end encryption, all of that. But users don't care about that technical jargon. What what they care about is how do they emotionally feel about? Do they feel the privacy and the security with this device? And sure, so that's it's 1984. Right. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Big brother. That's right. You bring up a good point, actually. You know, we've gotten accustomed to trading privacy, convenience and connectivity. 
and it kind of sucks you know we we want to uh, we're not going to be able to solve all of it but you know we want to play our small part in in kind of giving that privacy and and that control back to the user and so that's why we built our uh, our privacy camera which essentially has a it has a polymer diffused liquid crystal film on the lens of the camera uh, and essentially what it is is you pass current through it it's an opaque film that becomes transparent it's pretty cool actually so when you're away from your home you know a camera's transparent it's looking in and telling you if there's trouble at home and when you come back home you disarm your system and boom the camera goes you know blank white opaque the microphone turns off because it's it's connected to the same circuit and now no one's listening to you no one's watching you and so you know we hope that those two products when brought back into the insurance context are now products that can be highly engaging actually solve the theft or you know uh, other problems and be part of an offering that consumers highly adopt and engage with on a very very regular basis but why insurance as opposed to just say straight d2c i mean it's you're offering an intriguing product why really funnel it through the insurance channel great question i mean we were built d2c uh, insurance was not on our radar at all it was i think uh, a year and a half ago at at ces where someone you know wrote about us and and insurance companies reached out and uh, and and we said okay we you know we'll, we'll do a pilot <laughs> and and we're happy to help and and as we kind of looked into it uh, uh it's a fantastic one it's a just in terms of a business model it's a it's a fantastic channel for us to be able to you know it accomplishes what we were initially trying to do like you saw at insuretech is it gets our devices out to to mass market a lot faster than we would probably be able to to get them out direct to consumer because that's ultimately the goal right ultimately forget the the business side we 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 started off to build something that we can bring to millions and millions of people quickly and so and and insurance allows us to to kind of do that uh while simultaneously adding a tremendous amount of value i mean i i see this as a filling in all the gaps of the value equation you have you mm-hmm. know insurance on one side providers like us on one side and and the end consumer yeah you can never forget about the end consumer on 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 one side so it solves the problem for the end consumer along with getting them a discount it's improving either acquisition rates or retention rates or you know more effective underwriting and and hence adding to the bottom line of insurance companies mm-hmm. reducing severity and frequency of loss um and it's a great distribution channel for us and and exposes us to millions and millions of users out there and like you said it it's data 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 yeah <laughs> for for, for the carriers absolutely absolutely which they're most most interested in absolutely yeah. i want to talk about working with carriers we work with carriers that's that's a i'm sure was quite an education for you guys mm-hmm. especially in a in a company like yours where you probably try to move really fast and you've got to try to go as fast as you can and then you go into this vertical that isn't that way in fact right. some would argue it's the opposite and right. so how's that been is it, is it all pilot driven talk about selling to carriers with a product like yours Yeah it is pilot driven and I, and I think uh, different carriers are at different stages of maturity in terms of their strategic planning you know some are some are willing to dive in and take the risk uh, others are uh, slow and cautious and are are looking to to other players in the industry as as proof of concept but a lot of them have now they've they've started to build out you know IoT or connected home 
departments and teams that are evaluating various options and and uh, there's a lot of different business models that carriers are carriers are looking at so I, I think one of the more critical components before we even sell is to identify what the goal is of the carrier and sometimes it is to educate them on what the goals could be because they they often ha- haven't either looked into it or, or made up their mind yet so like I was you know saying some focus on acquisition is how can we acquire more users faster grow market share and use this as a gift with purchase kind of mm-hmm. a scenario there are others that look to retention you know either either gift it to to sign up for another few years or increase engagement which is more critical and then the third group is looking at you know how can i immediately get the data and then start to analyze it so it has been mostly pilot driven the one thing that kind of helps us out is we are always happy to send devices and for folks to test it out because i don't think any amount of pitching would provide you with the experience that you know setting it up yourself and 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 that little delight uh, once yeah. you have it up and running within 30 seconds uh, so that's kind of how it's been well, that's exciting i really think that it's interesting to watch the journey of kangaroo you know we're always interested in in the people behind the story right so we want to hear about you i want to know you know i'm i'm looking here online we did a little homework you you speak three languages uh you have three patents if this is all right and yeah. and i think i think you're our only guest to have a guinness world record right <laughs> i mean you got you got some interesting stuff here talk to me first off i need to know about this this guinness world record and then sure. i i want to know a little bit about your story tell us about your journey to to where you are today no absolutely that was a it was a fun way for me to spend all my weekends and nights my sophomore and junior year of college <laughs> uh building stuff which which got really exciting and uh, i was lucky enough to to stumble upon a team that was building the the you know rube goldberg machines and yeah what are those tell us what those are yeah so the, these are essentially machines that are the opposite of what every other machine is <laughs> it, it is it is supposed to accomplish a task in as many steps as possible so as complex as possible right in a in a given amount of time and so uh, it it just makes it interesting cuz cuz you spend your entire time trying to solve like not while building the machine any other problem you solve you want to do it as efficiently as possible and here you're doing the exact opposite so uh, we we got into this team and and there's a competition every year essentially that we build for so within 2 minutes you're supposed to accomplish a task and our task was to water a plant and right. um, and so we built a machine that watered a plant in 244 linear steps <laughs> within wow. two minutes and we made a story out of it we we kind of the the theme around that that we chose was you know the the birth of planet earth and then its ultimate destruction and and then a plant coming out of the end saying you know the, the phoenix rising from the ashes kind of scenario and awesome. so uh, did that and 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 yeah we we applied for the the world record and we actually got it and um funny enough that team's fantastic i i'd moved on to a few other things but they broke the record right the next year so i so we held oh. it for like a a sweet eight months <laughs> before yeah. it was broken again <laughs> that's fantastic As for me I uh you know I I grew up in India and my dad was in the air force so naturally I you know grew up around air force bases and so I'd look at planes fly all the time and I said you know boom that's what I want to do I want to fly somewhere in there I uh, decided that it 
probably made more sense to build them. So I uh, I looked around uh, the world on, and, uh, for best the, the best aerospace programs and Purdue University. I mean, this is silly, right? But like Neil Armstrong went there. And so the 17-year-old in me said, boom, Neil Armstrong went there. I'm going to be Neil Armstrong. And I gotta showed go up. <laughs> gotta go there. So I watched a lot of American movies and, you know, saw LA and Chicago and New York. And then I landed up in the middle of nowhere, Indiana. <laughs> and yeah. I said, oh, wait a second. <laughs> this isn't like, uh, like the pictures. This isn't like the movies. <laughs> right. And took to, took to mechanical engineering, kind of pursued that path. Somewhere along, along there, I uh, started tinkering with um, solar racing cars. I was on the Purdue solar racing team. Through that, met Max, who was out building solar-powered high-altitude drones in New Mexico. Packed up my bags one one summer and showed up there. And, you know, we built a few drones and flew them and crashed them and then bigger, built bigger ones and, you know, flew those. And ultimately, that, that uh, company was acquired by Google. And that was a fun little ride. Uh, <laughs> it, it was every engineer's dream. So, you know, big budget. And, and we were built a rapid prototyping lab to evaluate just big urban development infrastructure projects like you know how can you address pollution by building domed cities or can you build a floating bridge that can be deployed pretty quickly you know and have a contained environment that you know might not be all air might be part helium so that the drag is a lot lower and and so we prototyped those projects and and built a ton of fun stuff after that fun gig (laughs) we uh, (laughs) We kind of turned turned our heads towards the uh, towards building out essentially this company that evaluated you know thousands of data points on online marketplaces to figure out what consumers wanted you know what products consumers wanted at what price points and with what features and that was just fascinating because prior to this we were very the, this team and and a large part of uh, what Kangaroo is today is the team that came from you know. Uh, Titan Aerospace and, and Google, and and then of course the the company before that. We, we've been lucky enough to have folks stick with us, um, but we got very excited about just learning about consumer psychology and like what makes the 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 brain tick, yeah. <laughs> like what makes you buy stuff, and uh, and uh, and and that's kind of what we poured our energy into, and and cut our teeth and learning about you know global supply chains and consumer products and high volume manufacturing and so there was a point where we built we built a core durable home goods brand and we were shipping out like a thousand units or a couple thousand units of appliances and electronics a day and uh, we said well you know people are buying all these things but they aren't connected and why aren't they connected and and that that was the first foray into you know the smart home and how we started to think about it so Played around with that for a while, and then um, a few years ago, uh, kicked off Kangaroo, and um, here we are. <laughs> what a great story. So talk to me about about working at Google. I'm always interested in that. Whenever you were at Google, were you just surrounded by really smart people all the time? What was that atmosphere like? Yeah, I I consider that probably, I think I'm fortunate enough to have been exposed to that environment uh, and exposed to tremendous people there everyone you know uh thinking just moonshots and making it a reality uh, it's not just thinking right it's actually putting pen to paper and, and going and prototyping and building and, and proving yourself wrong um day in and day out and 
And so that was just a fantastic experience exposed to, uh, you know, great people. And the, the perks were fun. <laughs> yeah. So. I want to talk about a little bit more about the Connected Home and about Alexa. What has Alexa done to the whole Connected Home idea? Did that help pave some of the way for Kangaroo? Yeah, I would definitely say so. I mean, I think one of the, the most critical thing that Alexa accomplished, I would say, is is it made it mainstream. It it brute forced its way into what like a you know fifty million households, and and it's just fantastic. Folks that would have never thought to interact with smart tech or or you know were wary of it now were exposed to it because Alexa did uh, did something simple. They provided a little bit of you know real value initially tells you about the weather, you know, you have timers and and there's little conveniences that it added, but it also did that at like 20 bucks, you get a little Echo Dot or, you know, like 15 bucks, you get a little Echo Dot and now they're all over the place. And so I think the first thing that it did was just mass education of that this tech exists and, you know, it can be used and there's a lot of stuff that you can do with it. But more importantly, I think when it first came out and it continues to be the one of the best ecosystems that pulls all these disparate connected devices together, right? At, at the end of the day, you might have a smart plug from someplace, a smart bulb from someplace, a you know, security system from someplace, but you can put it all together and, and, and interact with it through this friendly voice assistant that you, that you now have. Is that the case with your product? Absolutely, yeah. We, we, we believe in being good citizens of that connected home ecosystem and, uh, you know, uh, integrate with Alexa, Google Home. We're working on, uh, you know, Apple HomeKit and, and IFTTT as well. So we, we want to be just great citizens in that entire ecosystem. Uh, I, I also want to ask you, as, as we wrap up our time, because I know you have to get to the beach soon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect surfing day. <laughs> we, we really, we see you there. For those of you, we, we, we have Drew on video today so we can see him and he's in his swim trunks <laughs> and he has his sunscreen on. So just so you know, sitting in the back, just, he's ready. just so you know, what we're looking at, um, I want to talk about CX mm -hmm. and customer engagement. We had a guest on somebody who we very fond of who said, there's no such thing as customer engagement in insurance. This is a really smart person too. Mm -hmm. And a lot of your proposition is built on engagement. So yeah. how, how's that so. going? Obviously, if carriers are dropping it, I mean, they must you must do a POC or pilots. They see that it works. They see that they're engaging. I mean, is it is there engagement in insurance? Are you finding that there is? Or is that just kind of a side thing that they're really not engaging in insurance, they're engaging in something else, and then there's the, all the insurance benefit that goes along with it? So I, I think your guest was perfectly right. There is no engagement in insurance as it stands today, but those models are evolving. And insurance in itself, I think, is transforming, again, from a more reactive industry and a more reactive product to a more proactive product. So... Some of the things that I, I think in this transformation are coming alive are how do, how do insurance companies speak to those end users and, number one, try to prevent that loss and, and try to talk to you every day and provide real value, right? And there, there are a few components to it. Is it can you proactively educate your, your consumers and make sure that they're, they're taking the right steps? And can you incite the right behaviors? In, in those uh, in those customers so that you know they're, they're just 
it's a positive net effect across the board. So I'll give you examples of a few small specific things, sure. right? And then Please. we can expand yeah. that out. But we're building out this insights feature, which essentially uh, we, we, we know how much humidity and temperature and what the trend is across, you know, many days, many hours, many minutes. And so it's very simple to actually pop something up in the app and say, hey, you know, we noticed that your humidity consistently went up in this, you know, your closet sensor for the past three days. Make sure to air out your closet so, you know, there isn't any mold, mm-hmm. right? So you're reaching out to them before there is a problem. Now you can expand that out into temperature and into occupancy. Like, hey, we notice you've been working from home a little more. Uh, make sure to arm your home while you're while you're there, right? So it, it's it's various things like that. And I think that insurance is definitely moving in the direction of engagement using uh, IoT and and these connected devices. And I think that it's they're more intertwined, and they need to be more intertwined than they have been so far. I don't think one works without the other. I think, you know, I, I don't have the numbers off the top of my head, but an end consumer is engaging with a with their insurance company's brand like at most about 40 to 50 times over a seven-year period, wow. right? Which is nothing, which right. is absolutely nothing. Correct. Right. But with the connected home, with security systems, et cetera, you're able to bring that engagement to a daily basis, multiple times a day. So you're putting... The, uh, the insurance company's brand top of mind in a scenario which is helpful and proactive and actually adding value multiple times a day. And so I think that, that that engagement metric is transforming and that's where IoT companies and companies like Kangaroo can actually play a major role in, in helping. So when they do that and they get a notification, let's say, does it say, hey, Kangaroo wants you to know this or, hey, the insurance carrier wants you to know this? Uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it depends on the carrier. We're happy to do it, you know, via Kangaroo. There's, there were some homegrown projects, right, that, that turned out from the insurance industry. Again, like those were built not for the end consumer, but for the IoT product manager at an insurance company, and the goals are too different there. And, and so it just depends on the carrier. If, if they like their brand there, we're happy to do that because at the end of the day, we want to solve the problem. I think the rest of the stuff can be figured out internally uh, between the two companies. Dhruv, what a pleasure to have you. Yeah. Smart, intelligent, and you lay out your ideas and what's going on at Kangaroo so well. Of course, you never, you know, jumped out of an airplane. Or maybe you have. <laughs> I have. Okay. There you go. How was that? Last That's question. Great. It was great. I, my, my dream is to one day, you know, uh, be able to go to space and, and not one day, hopefully pretty soon here. Uh-huh. Uh, we, we'll see how Elon's uh, launch goes on Saturday. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so jumping out of plane is just, you know, it's the first step to many. <laughs> we're, we're thrilled to have you with us. And we love following the, the, the picture, the uh, story of kangaroo as it unfolds. And we'd love to have you on again. Would you come back and visit with us once more? Absolutely. You guys are an absolute party. So (laughs) anytime. I I was saying honored to be here. And it was such a pleasure speaking with you guys. Uh, Absolutely. Anytime. Well, what we're going to talk about when we end is getting your address in Hawaii. That's what we're really, that's, that's next. (laughs) So just wait to visit you there. (laughs) Happy to have you. (laughs) Thanks for being with us. Talk to you soon. You know, that's our second interview with somebody from Kangaroo, who we originally met at ITC. We met 
several people that worked for Kangaroo at ITC last year. Yeah. And uh, we had Maximus, the CEO, on. And I think Drew gave us a whole different kind of picture and perspective on the company. Wouldn't you agree? I would agree. I thought it was uh, very interesting. I love how lately we've been able to really you know, dive into more of how people are running their company mm-hmm. and, and missions behind it and, and things that they've brought from other companies. I, I've enjoyed really getting to talk to some of these people like Drew, who are so smart and, and really intelligent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Who've come a long way at a very young age. Yeah, yeah, that's always something uh, me and you have talked about. In fact, many of our past guests have have accomplished a lot in a very short amount of time. Uh, but Drew was great. I really enjoyed talking to him. His history is so neat. I enjoy listening to him and his uh, excitement about a stint at Google and how that really had an impact on him. But it seems like like he loves what he does and he's passionate about it and mm-hmm. and he surrounds himself with people who are also passionate which is a, a very successful model from from what i've seen yeah and we heard from him again that when we asked him up front and i don't know if we asked him before we were recording or after but you know what what his focus is and basically he said product and people mm-hmm. and how these companies are putting together teams of really motivated, extraordinary people and accomplishing a lot with, with just a few people. And I mean, when you think about what it must have taken to put together a $19.99 retail yeah. doorbell camera, that's in a pretty extraordinary thing to get done quickly when you consider what where the market is from a price standpoint on doorbells. Yeah, they're out there to really change the world when it comes to the smart home, the connected home. And I love what they're doing about looking at what can we do uh, that really, really changes how people use these products. Not all the nifty features and all that, but really at the core, let's go out and do that real well uh, and and get big. But I think that insurance companies are going to be using them a lot in the future. And I think that they're going to get into other verticals where they're going to be very successful. But it's a neat company. Really enjoyed talking to, to Drew, and I'm I'm excited about meeting him in person soon. Really nice of him to invite us to Hawaii. I can't to, wait. Uh, I can't to go wait. out there and just uh, hang out with him. That's at his right. Home. As soon as we can, as soon as we can get comfortable getting yeah. on a plane. Yeah. Um, we'll be. And doing... then he also he also offered for the uh, air flight. How great was that? <laughs> that was even better. Yeah, that just was kind really of a pleasant surprise. Drew. Yeah. FNO yeah. Hawaii. Here yeah. we come. Yeah. Wouldn't that be, wouldn't that be wonderful? <laughs> you know, well, if any of our future guests would like to do that, we're, we're always up, up for that. But here's the thing. I don't know that I want to see you in a bathing suit. Oh, I'm a good looking man in a bathing suit. Good <laughs> okay. looking. Well, that gives me something to look forward to. Listen, we thank Drew so much for being with us and thanks to Vanessa at Kangaroo for making all of this happen. It wouldn't have happened without her. And um, we're thrilled to be uh, to have the opportunity to tell their story and to be part of uh, what's going on at Kangaroo. And so we thank them for making the whole thing happen. And we thank you for being with us and for being part of our journey that we're going through on this podcast. And so we'll say goodbye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>